0: Welcome to the Marketing Society Podcast. I'm Rachel Letham, Head of Content and Communications. In today's episode we'll explore how entrepreneurial thinking and startup energy can benefit brands of any size. Startups are having a moment, praised for their agility, speed and appetite for risk. They seem to be everything big legacy brands are not. But is this really true? What if we view startup as a mindset that can be implemented in any business? To discuss the principles of entrepreneurial thinking that can help brands stay relevant, the Marketing Society member, Ruth Fittick, joined forces with Carly Osman Holm. Together, Ruth and Carly will explore the customer obsession, risk-taking, and creative rule-breaking that sets startups apart. But how can big brands borrow these strategies to evolve in today's ever-changing market? Let's find out.
1: Hello, we're here today to talk about day one thinking, or how to use the best of entrepreneurial startup energy, whatever the size of your brand or business. So firstly, a couple of introductions. I'm Ruth, I'm a fractional marketing director, so I work with startups and scale-ups. I've launched brands including Vitamin Water, Popchips, and most recently Simply Roasted Crisps in the UK. And I'm now
2: consulting across some of the UK's most exciting new food and drink brands. I'm Carly. I work with challenger brands helping to disrupt really homogenous categories. So I started out in the world of big brands and now focus on bringing this thinking into scaling brands to help really garner attention when they don't have huge budgets. And how do they really win the hearts and minds of their customers? Lovely. Um, Carly, do you want to talk us through what we're going to talk about? So we live in a world that is obsessed with the new, the latest, the shiniest thing. So startups are having a moment in the spotlight. They are fast, they're agile, without the legacy and fear of damaging the core brand, they can dare to take big risks. They are everything that big brands aren't and can't be. But we don't believe this to be true. In this talk we're going to discuss startup as a mindset, the principles that big businesses can implement into their businesses to ensure that they are ever evolving to meet the needs and demands of their consumers. Some people call it startup or day one, we like to call it entrepreneurial thinking and the truth is it doesn't really matter the size of your business or your team, there are some core principles that everyone can apply.
1: And we've identified six and we're going to go through those now. So starting with number one, customer obsession. Um, Small brands tend to know their customers really, really well. They might not have the budget for big insight research, but in a way that's their superpower. They have to be creative. Um, And more than that, they're often talking daily directly to their consumers. So it's not unusual for a new brand, for the founder to know a lot of their core customers by name. Um, Obviously, this isn't particularly scalable if you're a big brand, but you can still close that gap between your brand and your consumer. So some simple things that you can do. Number one, get out into market. If you're an FMCG brand, do some sampling, talk to consumers, be there when you're doing an event, see how people are responding to your brand in real time. Secondly, mine your online reviews. So if you're listed with a cardo, you'll probably already know that the review section can be fairly brutal, but will also tell you a lot about, the words people are using to describe your brand, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses. And finally, do a day of customer service and make sure everybody else in the team does too. Brands I've worked on in the past, everybody in the business has done this. And a bit like getting out in the field, there's nothing like hearing it directly for those um, issues or strengths to really get landed in your brain. And. Um, and what all this does is deliver two things. So, firstly, you know, a better understanding of your consumer. Um, if you're a big brand, you're probably doing all of the big full quantum qual research pieces, which is brilliant, but this really brings it to life and supplements that and is a great addition. So, you know, those small details, don't write off anecdotes, um, get to know your consumer. Marketing's about mattering, you know, in order to matter to people, you need to understand them. But secondly, what it does is get you close to your loyalists and your advocates. Small brands know that their superfans are their secret weapon. Um, they create communities of loyalties and advocates and then rely on them to do their marketing for them. I mean, when you have small budgets, you know, driving that word of mouth, small brands understand is one of the most effective things that you can do. I think, you know, it's one thing to say that a business is customer first and then another to actually live it top down and make sure you're investing in it too. So the businesses I've worked in have always over-invested in customer service. And when I come in and work with a brand now, it's often one of the first things I look at because I know it's going to help from a brand strategy perspective. You know, often these brands haven't got the budgets to do proper quant and qual research,
2: but it's also going to create a really powerful marketing tool in its own right i just also add a really great example. It got drilled into me when I used to work with Frukel Suntory a lot, and we did a lot of innovation and MPD work with them. And the CMO actually banned any external people from coming into the business to do this work. Um, So the teams, the brand teams, the sales teams, we all had to work together to hit the streets and test the product, get them to sample, get them to experience, get them to taste that liquid on the lips and see that reaction uh, firsthand. And what we got, the insights were totally invaluable and allowed us to really step change um, the business and create products that we weren't necessarily thinking about from the get go. So this is just absolutely invaluable. Really get to know your customer beyond it being just this white piece of paper that people glance at from now and then. It's These are real people with beating hearts, understand who they are.
1: Yeah. And I love that. And I think At my last business as well uh we were at an event and we were sampling all of our flavors and i could see that there's one people just weren't asking for it and uh, uh, we've talked about swapping it out for something else we came back from that event said look we need to do this it's not it's obviously it's not resonating and i think it's that thing of you can read something on a screen someone can tell you but when you see it with your own eyes and see how people are responding it's super powerful and you can make you make those
2: changes quicker Brilliant. So the second principle is one definition of success. In big businesses, there are lots and lots of different departments, all with incredibly vital roles, but they tend to operate in discrete silos. You've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got customer success, you've got experience, you've got insight. So each department has its own unique set success metrics. And often these are sitting in conflict to each other if you really drill down. Startups don't have a lot of people so they are wearing lots and lots of different hats and you'll find many of these people are doing hybrid multiple roles. So what they have, one set of KPI principles that sits across absolutely everything, everything they need to do delivers upwards to that so it's very much waterfall down so the success team are have the same kpis as the marketing and everything works together in unison and you're sitting there as a big business you're going to probably say that's impossible we can't do this at all I would ask you to read the book by Greg Kaufman, who was the former CMO of Nike. And this was something that they implemented um, in within the business of Nike to start thinking about how you can do this at scale. How can you get every single person in the business to work in unison? And the results that you have is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I love that. And I think to add that another advantage that small businesses often have is that
1: you know, the brand is seen as the baby. So, you know, especially founder-led businesses, the brand is the founder's baby. But often this is true in the marketing teams as well. You know, there's a real sense of personal responsibility. And I think thinking about how you can create that feeling in your own teams, and often it comes down to autonomy too. So what can you give your teams that's theirs to own? How can you foster personal responsibility for the business within teams? And you'll start to see that the way people act and behave
2: changes. I think that accountability is really crucial. We're seeing the world of work change drastically. People want to have that sense that they're making a difference, that their role really counts. So as a big business, give people that permission to do something. We're going to talk about risks in a bit, um, but empower people to make decisions. Yeah, I think in the sort of studies they do of what people, what makes people happy at
1: work, autonomy is always the thing that comes out on top. And I think that's why people like, well, why I've always liked working in startups and scale-ups is that impact that you can see that the work you do has. And it's difficult in bigger brands, but thinking about what you can do that's going to create that sense would be super powerful. Um, So point number three, start thinking about small details, not just big ideas. And I love sort of big idea, tiny detail kind of marketing. I think most big brands have got the big idea down. You know, it's probably something you've invested a lot of time and money against. You've had an amazing agency create something super exciting for you. And that's brilliant. But the same amount of attention isn't always given to the other touch points. And I think this is what small brands do well. They they often have it the opposite way around where they don't have that big idea. But they do have lots of really amazing small touch points that are working together or sometimes not together, which is a different problem. Um, But think about that full customer experience of your brand. So copy on pack, but all the way through to a customer complaint letter, a coupon you know you're out of office um and this is something that i know innocent does incredibly well you know the the og of like brand tone of voice and, and how they execute it but if you are if you email someone at innocent and they're on holiday you'll get a often hilarious out of office written in the brand tone of voice from anybody in the business i believe um and these are all ways of bringing a brand to life you know as startups are really used to making every single aspect and touch point work as hard as it can so that the, you know the brand starts to matter to people and excellent founders are just really obsessed with these small details of their business and it shows and i think the other thing that it does is as a consumer you feel like this is a brand that somebody has taken a lot of care over has invested thought into and that has a sort of knock-on impact of how you feel about the brand and i think you know another example monzo if you read their app updates you know when you just go into your phone to update your apps their copy is always surprising and funny and the first time i saw it it, i was whoa so you know this this definitely is something big brands can and do do well. Um, And I think for those who don't, it's just such an easy win. Just think about making
2: every touch point really sing. I have a phrase which is, however or whenever anyone comes into contact with your brand, it should feel like your brand. So just to reiterate um, Ruth's point, that is absolutely every element is your chance to bring your brand and your story to life. I complained about something the other day and got sent this very very generic like letter back there was no heart there was no soul there was no personality this could have been the brand's opportunity to make me fall in love with them show me that what they were doing how it really made me matter and to Ruth's point earlier marketing is about making things matter so really coming down to that crucial point
1: yeah and I love that because it also goes back to my other previous point about customer service and I always it's, to me, it's bizarre that the bigger the brand, the sort of more boilerplate the customer service tends to be, which I understand, you know, the volume of messages that you're getting, but also you have the resources to make it better. Nothing infuriates a consumer more than when they email in and feel like they're getting a robot speaking back to them. At Pop chips, we used to call it lemons to lemonade. You know, you're taking those people moaning at you and actually they come away feeling like an advocate so, yeah, all, all of these touch points. And the more unexpected, the better. You know, challenge yourselves to think where. And I think that's what Monzo did so well in the app update, is in a sea of just weird, you know, killing bugs and blah, blah, They started talking about some eight-legged freaks film that they, the bank, had watched, which was slight, slightly odd. But, you know, it really stood out. So think think about where it is that you can stand out, that other people
2: haven't thought of and this becomes a marketing tactic in its own right i suppose um i i've done a lot of work with a former creative at innocent and she used to say that their product pack shots used to be shared every single day someone would share it on social because it was that surprise and delight it was that unexpected it was that moment of humor in an ordinary bland day so these are really powerful marketing opportunities and I'm obsessed with packaging because I think it's such an underutilized um, part of the marketing puzzle. But really think about what you can do to elevate your brand. So number four, take risks. Um, About six years ago, I was lucky enough to go to Cannes and listen to the CMO of Johnson and Johnson talk. And she said one of the biggest challenges she currently has at the moment is the appetite for risk within her team. And this really struck a chord with me. And what she was saying is her teams are terrified of doing something that damages the reputation of the brand. And her stance was it takes an awful lot in order to do these. These big brands are well-oiled machines that have demonstrated to consumers what they stand for and it's going to take an awful lot to undo this I think it was last year when the World Cup was going on um, that BrewDog did a big campaign and there was a big furore around oh my gosh it's going to destroy the reputation of brand that's BrewDog done for it and it didn't if anything it got more eyeballs on the brand and most consumers weren't aware of the promotion they just saw the name BrewDog come up again and again and again so with startups and how this applies is startups don't have the budgets to buy eyeballs on the brands. So they have to do things that are deliberately designed to capture attention and to get people to stop, notice, and then take some form of action. So within business, big businesses, we need to be start thinking about, well, what can we do? Stuff that's potentially polarizing, some stuff that's potentially gets people going, oh, that's interesting, and being less afraid of doing it wrong that
1: plays in quite nicely to my next point which is
2: number five which is processes are great
1: and everything but not when they stifle creativity and action and you know there's a challenge around expression move fast and break things which I can see that big brands don't feel so comfortable with because you know if it's it's not broken don't fix it um what if you reframe it as move fast and fix things moving quickly within businesses is just so important when it comes to marketing um you know there's a really great example of a brand that i've noticed for a while the stuff coming out of there i thought something is up here and that's Heinz um and i've seen they've got their own in-house agency now and i heard a talk from the people running it and they said that their sort of brief is to move at the speed of culture and this is something that small brands do even without thinking about it every single day and that is impossible if it's got to go through fifteen layers of people. Got to go sit with legal for a while, wait for them to come back, and what they've done at Heinz is remove those levels of sign off and given that internal agency a certain amount of creative freedom and flexibility. Um, you know, I've worked within big businesses in the past, and we've had an idea, and then they've come back three months later and said, "Let's do it." And we say, "That's too late. It's it's over. That that moment has passed. The world has moved on." Um, and in order to do that. To Carly's point, you're going to have to be comfortable with some element of small risk. And it, it can be small because, like you said, it takes a lot to bring down a brand. But thinking about what's our, you know, what's our level of tolerance here? What's a sort of red line? Can't cross it. That's a legal issue. What is, oh, I feel slightly uncomfortable with that, but let's give it a go. And then let your teams run with it. You know, processes, small businesses often actually suffer from a lack of processes. That's certainly true. Some of the brands I work with, that's part of my remit, is to come in and help them tighten up their processes. But the bigger you get, the often the more complex those processes, complexity kills growth. So think about how you can simplify, where you can give your team's autonomy. We talked about that earlier and what elements of risk you're comfortable of, And then just going for it um and I think another thing to add to this and and maybe it's slightly off the question but you know this this talk of creativity which could be a whole separate podcast episode in itself but big businesses who there have this great creative output there's a respect for creativity that is embedded down and if you hear anybody from Oakley talking about it they'll say that's true Heinz said the same you know marketing is part art part science small brands often can't afford the science part so you know they're all art and big brands it's often the opposite problem so too much reliance on the science stifles the art i think trying to find
2: that balance of both from both small and big businesses is where the real magic happens
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i think just to reiterate that point about speed you have to be relevant of now and yeah. You have to start thinking about how we can get out in market quicker, adapt to opportunities, whether that's seeing an MPD opportunity being like there's a white space here, we should jump in it, or this is a way to hook our message that is actually going to be relevant. Standing back, and this moves really nicely into the last point, which is my most hated phrase in the entire probably existence of the world Mm -hmm. is just because we've done this, this is the way it's got to be done. And this is the thing that destroys so many businesses because you get trapped into the status quo of this is just the expected, whether this is the expected of the brand or this is expected of the category. When I worked a lot with big businesses, we would spend a lot of time unpicking the strategies of our direct competitors. We would be so focused on this is the category, these are the rules, this is how we need to behave. And we weren't paying attention to actually what's happening in the world of the consumer. What are the other underlying things that are happening? Where are the other products, brands, services that are solving the problem that we do? Where are they coming from? And this is the really important thing that I think a lot of startups do very well. And and Ruth and I spend a lot of time when we work with startups really getting to to think like this is, Where can we take inspiration from different categories? Where can we take inspiration from what's going if we're working on an FMCG brand? What's going on in the world of tech? What can we learn? What can we apply? Because at the end of the day, marketing is all around connecting your brand with the consumer and doing that in really interesting ways that grab attention and really make people feel something. So let's start thinking about less about this is the process, this is the the structure and more about how we can do things in creative ways. Yeah, and I think also, you know, throwing out the
1: rule book a little bit, but I mean, even when it comes to media, I remember talking to media agency and said, Oh, you can't do that. It's not a premium format. I just thought, Well, what does a consumer look at a phone box and say that's not a premium format? And in the end, these days, apparently, your phone boxes are fine and they are premium. So I think it's just, you know, when it comes to in store media, one of my friends said, look at all that crap media first, because it's in-store, you know, trolleys. If you can do something cool on a trolley media, it's gonna stand out. So just because the sort of standard, you know, think about like you say, consumer first. So marketeers might think, oh, you can't touch that format, it's not it's not premium enough. But consumer just doesn't think like that. It's all if you've got clever creative in the, any place you put it. It's, it's going to be good. So this, don't just do things because it's how you've always done it.
2: Question everything. Look for new opportunities. And I think just to touch on that point, although we're not diving into the world of creativity in this podcast, I think that's a really important point about making your media and your creative work really hard together. Startups take that first foray into having a media buy or doing something unexpected. They don't have the luxury of buying lots of things. So they don't have the opportunity of multiple touch points that reinforce it. So the creativity element needs to work as hard as humanly possible. So it's about how can you do things with that media in a different way to really grab attention, grab those eyeballs. We've mentioned Oatly earlier, they have done a phenomenal job in using this media as more of a hook and a a campaign in its own right. Great.
1: Well, I think that's our six things. So maybe I'll just do a quick recap of what they were. So, number one, customer obsession. Two, have one definition of success. Three, think about small details, not just big ideas. Four, take risks. Five, don't let processes stifle creativity. And six, do things differently.
2: Anything else to add, Carly? Um, We do a lot of work helping big businesses think more entrepreneurially. So if you're interested in finding out more, we're both on LinkedIn, so come and find us and let's have a chat. Thank you, Ruth and Carly, for your session today.
0: Startup thinking can reinvigorate brands of any size. By adopting principles like customer obsession, creative risk taking and disrupting the status quo, big businesses can stay agile and evolve with customers. See our key takeaways from this podcast in the show notes and find out more about the Marketing Society, especially our up and coming events. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate a review to help more people discover the show and be sure to follow us for more strategical marketing conversations. Thanks for listening.